it's kind of funny like how we think back like all of these muscly superheroes just rip to shred and <sighs> and thinking that's so normal and it's kind of a playground if if you're like a queer man like you're just kind of like holy crap these guys are hot like <laughs> <laughs> I'm Trevor Campbell, and this is You Made Me Queer, the show where queer people are ejected en masse from Wrigley Field because their limp wrists make it impossible for them to do the wave. Go gumsticks! Uh, yes, that's right. Every episode, I invite a fantastic 2S LGBTQIA plus guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. And we're going to go right into it because today's episode is larger than life, babe. Uh, a very special guest to join me for this episode. Someone who I merely think of loosely and laugh with, not at, I laugh with, uh, a wonderful person. Before I get to that, just so you know, a, c a couple things you might hear in the background. Uh, a dog's chain twinkling and jingling. Do you hear that? I'm dog sitting which is also why I'm on a different microphone. Does it sound different? Is it warmer? Do I sound cheaper and less professional? We will let the forums decide. Also, the heating just started going, so um, if you can hear anything, consider it a group win. But this is free, and beggars can't be choosers, which is also my Tinder profile. My guest today is, drumroll please, go gumsticks, Hillary Yass. Do you know Hillary Yass? I think you do. Let's learn a little bit more about sweet little Hillary Yass from Hillary Yass's, can you tell I just want to say that last name again and again? Hilary Yass's bio. Hilary Yass is a multi-award winning stand-up, sketch, and improv comedy drag queen comedian with an E-double-N-E, -N -E, the only way I recognize it and pronounce it. She mixes glamour and camp, but rarely at the same time because she's got taste, baby, and she's also her own secretary. She appeared as the first Canadian contestant on season four of Out TV's Camp Wanakiki, where she finished as runner-up. Thank you very much. I'm sorry, can you can you hear the squeaking dog toy in the background? This this is the glamour with which I create my art. Uh, Hillary hosts co-hosts the Sonar Networks podcast, Squirrel Talk with another drag babe whom we love, Selena Vile. You may have also seen Hillary at Just for Laughs Toronto, the Toronto Sketch Comedy Festival, or in the Toronto Public Library trying to check out back issues of Catholic sex ed curriculum textbook, Fully Alive. Do you remember Fully Alive? Any Fully Alive stands in the audience? We talk about Fully Alive because that is 
uh, professionally bound and published trash. And the fact that any person who ever touched that book went on to either orgasm or have sex in any capacity uh, does make me believe in miracles. But you can hear more about that in our conversation. Hilary Yas, I love you very much. Thank you for coming on You Made Me Queer. I have been a fan of yours for a long time. And uh, despite my best efforts to make you sound like a chump, I remain a fan. So enjoy my conversation with the timeless Hillary Yass. You made me queer! This has been live broadcast on CNN. Okay, bye. <laughs> I've got to go forever. Um, just as a heads up, this should be fine, but my Zoom meeting is running out of time, and then I'm having to restart. So if that happens, don't lose your mind. And I apologize. Oh, okay. That's okay. That's fine. I, I got a premium Zoom account once. I was going to do, like, online improv classes during the, the quarantine, and I was just tired of it. And I was like, well, yeah, let's see. And then, I, was, I don't know. It's always so frustrating to cancel things, you know? Right, like you were worried you are going to forget, and you've paid for it for, like, 10 years. Yeah, I tried to cancel it, and then they were like, oh, it's not canceled. I'm like, cancel it, though. And I just changed my credit card number and ran away <laughs> that's amazing my favorite is there's some services when you try to cancel it it's automated and it's like are you sure you want to cancel we'll give it to you 50 percent off yeah and you're just stuck in this like bad breakup for hours it's 100 percent that oh i hate to say it but there's a lot of subscription services that are just like that <laughs> is the solution never sign up for anything or just stay signed up to everything. Like anything you sign up for is for life. Yeah. I feel like that's the problem. I would <laughs> I would say don't sign up for anything, but at the same time, I'm on a, you know, the TV show Camp Wanakiki. Yeah. And like it's a it's a pain to try and get people to sign up for out TV. Because oh. <laughs> uh, Camp Wanakiki switched from YouTube to out TV on my season, which was like yay but also At, by your demand you're like i'm only doing it if it's network <laughs> no we didn't even know we we showed up at camp and they're like guess what and we we're like oh wow um but it changed things because it ostracized a big part of the uh built up youtube audience that couldn't watch it and didn't want to pay three bucks to do it because everyone wants everything for free <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that, and then there's this writer strike happening, rightly so, when networks are like, hey, we built a model where we have no income. <laughs> yeah. And we're producing 900 shows a year. Isn't it funny, though, that when you really think about it, the CEOs, yeah, potentially are to blame, but the public is too. 100%. It's like how now, like, we pay, like, with, I don't even know how to say it, shine, sheen. The clothing. Oh, on Sheen. Sheen. Getting some Sheen clothes. Where it's like, you can buy a shirt for a dollar or whatever. So we've, we, I think we really lose sight of what it costs to make anything. And when someone actually charges the price, it's like when you go to a farmer's market and you're like, I'm sorry, you want $8 for kale? Drag queens are to blame. We can only wear an outfit once and we have to burn it. <laughs> I think if I ever do drag, I'm going to have one outfit that I wear and that's that's my look. Honestly, there's actually a trend. There's a queen in uh, New York called Busted Queen had one look, yeah. one wig, hardly wears any makeup. 
people adore them kind of well some and then they showed up one day to another photo shoot in a different outfit and everyone was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) you've got two (laughs) yeah i kind of love that i love that too and i think um the challenge for you is choosing which outfit Mm -hmm. is going to be your till the grave I personally don't have any problem, like, re-wearing outfits. I mean, like, I spend money on these things. Like, even a cheap outfit's expensive, you know? Like, ugh. (sighs) Yeah, I once lived abroad in a country where I had to wear a suit every day for work. Mm -hmm. Also, anytime you have to buy work clothes, I have a slightly more generous approach now, but Mm -hmm. generally I'm like... I'm not spending money to make money. So I had one H&M suit, Mm -hmm. which was like busted off the rack. And I wore that thing into the ground so hard. Yeah, I mean, listen, well, you can write your costumes off, right? Um, I tend not to because I don't think I've ever really made enough money as a performer to qualify as anything more than a hobby. So, (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean, I get employable income generally, like, you know, whatever I'm doing to to really make things work. But like, yeah, as a performer, I don't think I've ever hit like 30K ever, (laughs) even when I've tried. So like mm, the the government, when I've tried to write things off, the government is always like looking at me with a skeptical eye, like, did you need to do this? Are you sure? Are you you okay? (laughs) Are you okay? (laughs) Yeah, I remember one time, I think over the year, I don't know how I survived, probably just from luck and like, you know, eating at my parents' house or something. But like my income for the year was like $17,000. And then the girl called me up and was like, um, are you sure it was (laughs) $17,000? And I was like, yeah, I think it actually was. And she's like, how did you do that? And I, was, I, I, I really don't know, but I did it somehow. Totally. <laughs> I remember one year there was like through um, H&R Block or whatever, I got to file for free because I made under uh, a certain amount and I was really excited. And then the penny dropped kind of further and I was kind of sad. Mm. <laughs> it was like, oh, wait, that's not enough. Yeah, it's fun to realize that you're you're living the poor lifestyle. But I never, I've never felt poor. Like I didn't come from a poor background at all i came from an upper middle class background so i mean i had i had a safety net well that's i think that's something nice to have like the seed of in your brain even when that net is removed and you become an adult in some capacity yeah you're still just like i've always been fine i'll be fine and i think as people who have to learn as artists make something from nothing oh yeah we have this superpower like macgyverism where we're like two paper clips and a tin can and i can eat for a week and look good doing it i know it's wild i wasn't really in, even into drag at that point i was just like i don't know trying to be an actor and working for nintendo on the weekend oh demoing video games <laughs> Like test playing video games? No, I wasn't that lucky. I got to go to Walmart and show kids the new video game. I was like, look at this. It's the new Zelda. Oh my God, that sounds fun. <laughs> Are you a gamer? Big time. I, I oh, game all yeah. the time. I mean, like, I don't think hardcore gamers would consider me a gamer because they're the ones that like play competitively. I don't understand that concept. Yeah, I'm not interested. I do not understand competitive gaming. I'm like, I appreciate it, but I'm like, I don't do sports. I'm gay. It's not for me. <laughs> I'm playing this video game so I can stop talking to people and disappear into another world. Yes, like Animal Crossing, for example. Beautiful. Like, it's such a stupid time waster of, like, you know, this toddler-esque art of just building your house on an island and talking to animal-esque 
characters that just say the same thing over and over again. Uh, but it, like it follows a day and night cycle and it's just like getting in, lost in your own world. That's that's the real thing. I think I've I've often just escaped into my fantasy worlds throughout my life. I think this is As the perfect segue. So I'm going to survival. One hundred percent. Here we go. Alley oop. Yes. So here we are, you know, adults. Yeah. We bring the video games to children now. But at one time we were the children. Absolutely. Trying to get lost in our own world and also in the process being led astray by so many people who were now we realize hell bent on making us queer. Yeah. So that's why I've called you here today, Hillary Yas, because Hello. Hello <laughs> from put down your tin can and pick up that mic because I want to give you the chance once and for all, for God's sake, to tell me who and or what made you queer. Yeah. And I think I've kind of stumbled upon that when I was thinking about this question. What we were already talking about. I think at the end of the day, what made me queer is uh, video games. Oh, this is great. Specifically, I was thinking about the first character that I like, was I think was mildly sexually attracted to or something. And I have to say it was probably uh, Link from the Ocarina of Time when he became a daddy. Okay, now <laughs> for, for folks who don't know, because I can picture this. He was like kind of like a young teen as that character, or was he older? Yeah, he, I think he was kind of well, like before he was kind of depicted a little bit more like a cartoony, um, pretty short and squat. Yeah, kind of more younger, maybe. But like in Ocarina of Time, he grew up into this kind of, I don't know, teenage, 20 year old kind of personality because that. He starts as a kid and he grows up and you see what he's like as he's older. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's such a great metaphor. It's like, you know, even from my life, it's like I want to stay lost in a fantasy. And well, to save the world, you have to hold on to that master sword and grow up. And like, you know, we grew up together. <laughs> you and Link have so much in common. And this is funny now because like I'm, I'm a gamer, too. I love games. They're so hyper-realistic now. Yeah. You don't have to really imagine so much, like, what that character would look like in real life or whatever. At the time, Ocarina of Time was Nintendo 64, is that right? Yeah, that's right. We've got some pretty polygonal, like, angular, um, sort of almost like Transformers-esque mm -hmm. people. So it's kind of hard to sexualize that, but kudos to you. Yeah, well, I mean, there was fan art. Oh, and sure. there was a lot of... <laughs> this was also the first time I think we saw Link in that way, where it was like, oh, he's he's a man, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I see those curves. You know, and then the, it changed because it went into Wind Waker on the GameCube, and he went really cartoony again. Yeah. And honestly, I think a lot of people got mad at that because... They had been sexualizing Link, and then they're like, oh, we can't do it anymore. Now he's a cartoon. Right. Even though The Wind Waker is a bomb-ass, incredible game. Like, it's wonderful. Super great, but you just don't want to curl up the, with that Link the same way. Exactly. But you don't want to sleep with it. Okay, I get it. I get <laughs> so it. So what's the point? <laughs> but then they brought him back. In, in Twilight Princess, he was a daddy again. And, you know, I think that's fun. And these days, I'm playing the new one now. Like, Link is super hot. Like, you... <laughs> You can run around with a shirt off all day, and it's it's great. You can. And also interesting, because you said Link was teens to 20s, but you're also calling him a daddy. So unpack this for me. Well, that's the thing. I don't even know. I don't even know. I'm just saying, he's buff. 
he goes out and gets it. But I don't even know. I mean, the real daddy is the one that Link is always after. And this is the thing. Uh-huh. There's always three characters in Zelda. There's Zelda, the princess, the unobtainable woman that yes. they seem like Link and Zelda is in a relationship, but like it's never explicitly stated. So you're like, mm. I don't know about this. Who are you actually into? And then there's Ganondorf, the real daddy of the situation. Absolute, like total <laughs> bear power. Also, one thing I really like is Link is, I think, canonically an elf. Yeah. So it has always been like a little femme, but now like evolved into this really cool sort of like gender fluid, uh, yeah. like, yeah, beautiful, extremely sexy creature. Yeah, I think the creator says that Link is has always he's always thought of him as kind of gender fluid. So rad. Even though they say it's like a male character, he's never presented any way specifically. He's an anime character. He's like one of those bishonen, you know, pretty boys. Yeah, I mean, maybe that was part of the appeal of Link was mm-hmm. like, I could, you know, not like an alpha, quote unquote, alpha dude who was going to beat me up. But I felt like Link and I could, you know, maybe share the same social circle. And I mean there's so many queer coded characters in the legend of zelda Mm -hmm. like constantly and i mean i don't know if it's just the japanese sensibility of you know making fun of femme things which it probably is but i'll take queer coding any way i can get it Mm -hmm. there's the character of tingle the adult man who runs around dressed in a a green cat suit thinking that he's a fairy yeah makes multiple appearances he's a hilarious and he's extremely femme <laughs> totally yeah a little green like spandexy thing right yeah and i think it isn't there did you play i'm assuming you did what was the one before this one breath of the wild breath of the wild yeah there was a cute little woodcutter with like one earring and yeah. he's always yeah. hitting on link do you remember that one Yes, the builder. He was the master builder, and he had his boys, his crew. Yeah. And whenever they built something, it would all go black, and it'd be like, and it's like, oh, like the sexual reference is clear. Um. Right. And you would then be like, cold shower, and you're back. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. And also, especially in Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, the the Oh my god, the the great fairies. Yeah, totally. Plus size women that live in a flower bud and jump out of the water and they're just decked out in scales and full drag makeup. So like, draggy, hey? <laughs> and and they they're so overtly like flirty and sexual with Link. It's so charming. <laughs> So I feel like not only did Link make you queer, and I want to ask you what age you were when you played Ocarina of Time. Sometime, I don't, I don't remember. It was in my teens. Okay, Sometime teens. in my teens, yeah. Pretty ripe. And it sounds like, though, it's kept you very queer throughout your entire life and continues to do so. I think so. And games in general. You know, like, I'm mm-hmm. always seeking out queer and queer-coded games. Always, always, always. It's great that there's so many more now that you don't have to do so much decoding to find the queer content. Yeah. But I remember early on, maybe the first one where I was like, woof, with a capital W was Zangief and Street Fighter. Remember oh, that little... well, yes, yes, of course. I have communist leanings, so that could explain <laughs> it too. But oh, boy. You don't like E Honda, the big sumo man? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Talk, there's, I mean, listen, of of combat game, a fighting game, and if you're not into video games, uh, we're not sorry. That's fine. Yeah. Turn this podcast <laughs> off and keep walking. Um, yeah, all of those 
it's so sexual in some way. I mean, it's like when you have your X-Men action figures and you just bump them together. Yeah. A fighting game is all touching all the time. Oh, yeah. I know it's kind of funny, like how we think back, like all of these muscly superheroes just rip to shred and <sighs> and thinking that's so normal. And it's kind of a playground if, if you're like a queer man, like you're just kind of like, holy crap, these guys are hot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no wonder. I want to hang out with Chun-Li and I want to hold hands with all the other ones. Yeah, like everyone in Street Fighter has their shirt off practically. Like it's just, it's, yeah, it's quite sexy, honestly. <laughs> It's a lot to process as a short-circuiting eight-year-old. So that's where we start with you. Do you want to take us back before that anywhere or move forward? Where do we go next? Like other things that made me queer or... Yeah, or was it just Link? Well, you know, I'm thinking like the video game is a good analogy, but like... Yeah. I, I was trying to think about like the first time I thought I might be queer and like I keep thinking like... I swear it was just this one kid on my baseball team and I didn't know how to feel about him. And I think I was probably like seven or eight. And I just, I, I don't know. I just keep thinking about like, I didn't know how to feel about him. I think I was like, I like him. I really do like him. Oh, I really like him. But I didn't know how to process that. And wh where was this? First of all, where are you from? It was a softball team in uh, Kingston, Ontario, I think. Yeah. We love Kingston. Yeah. Yeah. So softball and this little boy, you were on the same team. Yeah. Yeah, we were on the same team. And I just, like, I didn't really, I wasn't very good at sports, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also wasn't that great at hanging out with people. Like, I don't know. I was shy. <laughs> but I remember I distinctly had a crush on this one kid on the team. And it's, it just, it just strikes me. And like, I've told, I've tried to tell people this. Like, yeah, I think I had a crush on one of the kids on the team when I was a kid. And the people just are like, no, you didn't. You it, it, no, no way. Okay. No way because you were too young? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess seven or eight, it can, like, it's such a sort of innocuous, you feel drawn to people. Yeah. I guess you could call that a crush or not a crush. And it does kind of transcend gender or like, or orientation at that time. I think so also. But I think I think it was just the weirdness was that I was attracted to a boy, but and I had nothing to like compare that to. Right. Because in the media, like I'm in my later 30s right now, like the media, I didn't really have anything to compare that to. Like boys didn't fall in love with boys. Right. There was no heart stopper. No, that was the long journey for me, like all the way through like high school, I would say. Like I ha I'm a hundred percent certain I had a crush on another guy in in high school, mm -hmm. but by that time I think I was so screwed up about it and uh, not understanding it. Mm -hmm. And you know, like I went to Catholic school, so we had fully alive books that didn't say anything. Oh, I think fully alive is still happening. Ugh so stupid it was for folks who don't know and i think i've talked about this on the show before they would split you up by gender during i think it was like unit three yeah. the body and the girls had to go learn about their bodies vaguely and then the boys learned about theirs we didn't learn about one another's no and then that was it that's right they did split us up that's so messed up when you think about it isn't that insane like you can't even see like an anatomical illustration of a uterus as a 
a boy. They don't want you to see a vagina. Little did they know, I didn't want to see a vagina. <laughs> they started it. I think Fully Alive made us queer for <laughs> sure. I would blame them. Isn't that funny? But I fully remember, I 100% had a crush on this guy in high school. Mm. His name was Adam. Ironically, my husband is named Adam now. Ha ha ha. Not the same one. Not the same one. Okay. <laughs> But I didn't know how to place it. I didn't know how to place it. And I think it was because I always thought for some reason that if you're in love with somebody or have a crush on them, like you get all those like those jitters mm. and like the knock knees and stuff. And I was fully expecting it to be for a girl. Only retrospectively do I realize I fully had those feelings. It was just for this Adam guy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it was you. It was a completely secret world where, just like you said, you weren't looking for it. It didn't make any, there was no template for it. So you're like, of course, that's what this is. I remember in like grade six or seven, all my friends were boys. There was this little group of boys, super nerds. Mm -hmm. And I remember kind of being on this like cusp of like, I think I might be attracted to boys, but mm. if I let that go anywhere past my subconscious, it's going to make these friendships weird. So I can't do it. <gasps> and then, and it was such a, yeah. such a subconscious thought. And then I remember finally, I was like, I think it's true. And almost immediately I got super seized up around these boys and it kind of killed all our friendships. You know, I, I couldn't even let myself get that far. Like I would think about it, but I'd be like, wait, no, I can't be. Right. No. Wait a second. My mom said that sometimes people have phases. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's probably like a three, a two, one, five, seven, eight year long phase. Like I would just keep increasing the number. <laughs> totally. It's any day now, it's going to end. <laughs> because that's the thing. The other thing is that you kind of learn, and I think it happened a little quicker for girls, mm. maybe. I don't know why, uh, but like, girls sometimes have attractions and it seemed to be okay for them to be a little bit more explorative. Yeah. I don't know why. And so like the phases were kind of something people would talk about. Like, oh, you know, it's a phase. You'll figure yourself out eventually. Yeah, I would. it's weird because I think, of course, women's behavior is heavily policed. But I was going to say, I feel like male, like, kids who identify as male that their gender performance is more policed yeah with that said women have to like play up sort of a coquettish sort of slightly sexualized gender performance all the time yeah like for example to use old language a tomboy was more acceptable than like a prissy boy yeah you could be like a sort of like girl who played baseball but you couldn't be a boy who was in jazz class although i was <laughs> yeah seriously always and it was hard to like try and find your place there mm -hmm. you know i think i i think i wanted to be doing more activities like that like i was in the drama club and stuff like and music and whatever but like mm. i think i was drawn to things like dance and stuff but you know another thing that kind of blocked me was that like i was competitive with my siblings mm. none of us could do the same thing so if one of us was doing dancing none of us could do dancing <laughs> that was their thing <laughs> they were the dancer <laughs> who was so was a sibling dancing Yes, my sister. Oh, classic. Yeah, and she got very taken by dancing. Uh, very extreme, actually. I mean, might as well talk about my entire life. My sister actually developed an eating disorder, and she still suffers from it um, to this day. So, I mean, that's been a that's been something that's um, really affected me too. I think because she really uh, has been struggling for her entire life because of this. 
and it's I think it's put more pressure on me to do well. Mm. And so because of that, I was even more reticent to come out <laughs> because I was like, I don't want to add another problem to the fire. Like we got my sister, right? my brother was kind of, he took a long time to figure himself out. He's kind of a, I don't want to call him a black sheep, like, but like, you know, he's, you know, yeah. figuring himself. So I was like the, the one hope. And then I was going to come home one day and I had this big secret. I'm like, guess what? I'm a homosexual drag queen. <laughs> I want to take drama. Oh, I'm no. not doing chemistry or engineering anymore. <laughs> I'm a failure, born to happen, mom, <laughs> dad. <laughs> oh my god! And they were like, "We bet on the wrong one." Exactly. It's like God. All of our horses are done now. <laughs> I know. I mean, my family. I. It's me and my brother, and we both went to school for music theater. Like, talk about a disappointment. So I get it. That I mean, I didn't. I probably should have felt pressure to, you know, toe the line more. But it sounds like you did feel that pressure. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I did. I mean, I was just trying and I think it forced me into the closet a little bit. Mm. And it was also hard to come out of the closet, I would say. Very hard. Um, I think I tried a couple times and I also just didn't necessarily, even when I found gay culture, like I think the first gay culture I found was like, <laughs> I mean queer as folk or something <laughs> uk or us us which is worse it comes up a lot yeah it's a lot bitchier like it's a lot like less weirdo and more like scene gay mm -hmm. and i was like i understand this this is me but that is not me so i was like where do i fit in in this puzzle <laughs> mm -hmm. because even even ted like the normal guy was He's not normal. Like he's he gets really crazy really fast. <laughs> Ted from wasn't he the sort of like sweet accountant one? Yeah, but then he becomes a porno maniac, drug oh, addict, yeah. dealer, and I was like, okay, like I was trying to relate with somebody, and like, holy Hannah banana. I know it's funny too. Like our representation uh, at the time, you find a thing, and you're like, surely I'm going to be spoken to here, and then. It's just sort of a different set of stereotypes. And yeah. especially at that time, very hard to find someone you relate to. Yeah. And I think logistically in queer communities, which started out fringe and then, you know, through the 90s and early 2000s became sponsored by Labatt and very white and mainstream. And then we had, for folks who, you know, didn't mm -hmm. thrive in that environment, had to go like, well, where the hell do I go? Mm -hmm. And it turned out it was into the basement behind a microphone. Yeah, into the basement. And Kingston, it was it's a weird little place because we had a gay bar and then it closed and then there was there is no gay bar. Despite Kingston being a reasonably large city for Canadian standards, yeah. It's really struggled maintaining a gay identity. And so there was really nowhere to go. Well, I will tell you, because I am in Kingston right now. Mm. And they are about to open a gay bar, a new gay bar. Yes, yes, I've heard. You can come perform there. Show this town what's up. Yes, I've definitely heard. I love my gals in Kingston. I do I still consider myself a townie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Shout out Peaches. Do you know Peaches? Yeah, yeah, Peaches. I think Becca Blake is in town now. Tiffany Morgan, Rowena Way. Yeah, love Rowena Way, great queens, great queens. You made me queer. You made me queer, we'll be right back. And now, back to more You Made Me Queer. You made me queer! 
Okay, so things were making you queer, but you wanted to find like the community where you could really bust out. Yeah, I think so. It took me a really long time, I, I would say. So who was the final groomer who brought you in? <laughs> <laughs> wait a second, aren't we supposed to be doing that to children? <laughs> wait, oh my God, wait, who's in charge? Yeah, 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 yeah. who's in charge? Just like, uh, something like that. It took me a long time to actually come out because I tried to come out a couple times and then I kind of went back in the closet because mm -hmm. you know it's like a, a clamshell where you just kind of like you peek out and you're like I'm gay and then you look around and you're like does anyone care <laughs> I think that person cares no you don't okay goodbye <laughs> like you're not ready to do your full birth of Venus reveal I tried like I finally did it in theater school oh yeah yeah because I had to but it was so like, I had closed myself up so tight because I really just didn't think people could handle it or I could handle it or what it was. And I, it was it was a psychological block, you know? But, like, finally, we were doing this weird exercise. I went to the National Theater School of Canada. In Montreal. Ah, wow, I'm so cool. <laughs> oh, my God. Nationals in the name. Yeah, Nationals in the name. But it's a very intensive program. It's uh, all day, all day, all day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were finally in this one class with this really fierce South African lady named Yael Farber. And she was leading us through this hmm. strip-down exercise where it was just like, reveal your soul to me you know it was the very mortal combat um <laughs> and then all of my classmates were around me just like asking me questions and then finally it was just like yes i'm a homo and then you know then they all like <clears throat> hugged me and stuff and well this is funny because i as i said i also went to theater school and we had a class like that but you also had to take off your clothes i didn't do that i didn't do it i didn't do any of that stuff but it's funny because now mm -hmm. in theater school, because you are the tool, there are so many exercises like that that sort of border on psychotherapy or psychology. Yes. And they get you to do some like, I this horrible thing happened to me. And they're like, oh, yeah, great job. Class is over. Goodbye. And then you just kind of toddle out and you're like, I have no tools to process this. And it's overwhelming. Yeah, it's very that you leave kind of these broken, trying to put yourself together again type of person, mm -hmm. which is really good. I mean, in a way, because it makes you more universal. You can like find different aspects of yourself and get over certain things, I guess. But honest to God, like as I've gotten older, I have found just be yourself like <laughs> like the the most important thing you bring to any role is not what you think they want or what they blah blah, blah. it's just yourself it's like yeah the only unique thing is you period it's the most generous to give and the most sustainable and the most available but i oh my god did i fight mm -hmm. anything authentic and as a result it was like pretty bad a lot of the time when i was performing because i was just like wooden and also i don't know if you can relate to this the problem with being a queer person in theater school and figuring out who you are is theater as an art form traditionally is like incredibly like the the gender archetypes are so strict yeah even in music theater even in music theater i had i had an audition i kid you not it was for the book of mormon mm. i went into the audition room i was auditioning for i don't know the fat one whatever his name was <laughs> um i don't know anymore 
I've kind of blocked that part of it's been my... lost to time. Exactly, like block that from my memory. I'm a drag <laughs> performer now. Um, <laughs> but I was doing the audition. I had to do the scene. I sang the song, and then they're just like, you know, this character isn't in love with his friend. Like it's a little too. And I was like, oh, am I coming across really gay? And they kind of were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Oh. I'll see myself out. And also, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, fuck, fuck all of you. Like, I don't. <laughs> truly, <laughs> true. And I know, you know, folks who racialize folks have to deal with this a lot where it's like, can you play it more black or more whatever, even if that's mm -hmm. not explicitly said. But for sure, the like praise I praise ish I got for being straight passing and the way that was like, I was constantly told like, you're so lucky you can do that. But it's so fucked up. I, it's insane because then if you're not you're told like you're the funny one well that's the thing it was just like you know you're a little bit it feels a little too gay. and i was like well that that just means like you're good if you you're straight you're good if you act straight 100 percent. it's so mind-blowing and what does that even mean yeah what does it mean like that doesn't even mean anything it just means i had a certain appeal it was so and and what is that break it down like is it you you're like is it the way i talk is it the way i hold my hands like it's just so old-fashioned and i cannot believe we are still here i don't know I remember I went to my agent one day. I don't have her anymore. She left me. Everyone leaves me. <laughs> oh, this got dark. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, she legitimately retired, but the the agency didn't keep me on. Assholes. Oh, oh. this is the thing. Like I've I've done the industry for you know ten years, and I'm just like fuck the industry at this point. No, now and now <laughs> we have the opportunity to really like make our own industry. You don't have to work through those channels anymore. Yeah, but I remember my agent, I remember she had this conversation with me. She was like, you're not gay, are you? And I was like, mm. Oh, no. <laughs> and oh. I, and I, <laughs> I just, I can't with this stuff. It, like, they literally still want you to not be gay. They want you to be straight. You know, it's so. Isn't that insane? Uh, and I think I'm I'm a good boy. Like, I try to toe the line. But I'm also an opinionated, like, passionate person who's just like, God damn it. Like, ugh, I hate it. And this is the problem, I think, with TV that I still think we're still working through. TV and film where, yes, I get it. Sometimes you're on screen for five seconds. So it's important that an audience is able to sort of get the story of a character quickly. However, mm -hmm. that doesn't need to rely in, like, extremely archaic tropes of, like, this is what a gay person is it's just it's it's totally insane yeah apparently uh that's me and i didn't even know one day she said maybe next time come in dressed a little stylish here's the thing oh, no. i didn't even know what that means i'm like am i not stylish like what am i supposed to do read teen vogue read vogue isn't that a gay thing isn't it doesn't it make me more gay to read fashion magazines like i don't understand <laughs> one time my agent sent me i had an audition and she's like come by the office just before i want to run your sides with you and so i went and we ran the side she's like yeah okay great mm. and then as i was about to go out she's like you know what why don't you just stop by the mac store on your way to the audition and maybe they can just put some you know bronzer on your face because uh, you look a little sick oh my god oh my god I, I was, so i did it i was like no problem and i go straight to the mac store and i was like 
I th I'm going to an audition and they were like, okay, <laughs> what do you want? Like your eyes done, but it's just like this constant, like transform yourself to be an acceptable version of you. Yeah. It's, it, it was consistently that. And I mean, cut to, uh, I, I came out, I finally, you know, my, my, I didn't tell my mom, she actually had to badger it out of me more mm. at this one night I was doing a play in Kingston and she took me for gelato and she sat me down on a bench and she's like, are you gay? Because I had literally had my boyfriend over like <laughs> a week before. And I was like, oh, this is my bless. best friend. This is my best friend. <laughs> and she's like, we're shutting this down. We're shutting this down now. And we had to had the moment. But like after that, things did get better. You know, like I could be more authentic. You know, I could go on my dates and find my husband. And it just took so much effort to get there. And so like when I see people in that similar situation not that a lot of kids are these days because it's very different but it's not just kids necessarily it's it's anybody who is trapped within themselves in their world of self-delusion that is not entirely their fault and i think that's where a lot of my compassion for people comes from understanding that society really really throws us for a loop a lot of the constructs in society just like a lot of them are great, but some of them do us no good at all. And we cannot authentically be ourselves. And if there's any quote from theater school, if there's anything from theater school, ironically, it came through me through that same South African lady. <laughs> yes, Yael, right? Yael. I mean, I love her, but I hate her. She put us through hell. <laughs> you have no idea. She's a big listener of this podcast, so expect an email. Yeah. One time she looked at me and she hated me at this point because I was always calling her out for her bullshit. And, <laughs> and we were done working together finally. And she was considering working with our group on something past theater school. And I, I was like, Yael, you don't have to. Don't worry. Go and do your own thing. You don't want to. And she looked at me and she was like, Matthew, your eyes are so lucid in this moment. <laughs> I agree. And she walked off into the sunlight, like <laughs> the moonlight. Was that the last time you saw her? Yes. And I hope it is the last time I see her. Um... Oh, wow. <laughs> but isn't that, that's such an interesting comment, like your lucid eyes, like just going back to you mentioning people trapped inside of themselves, which I can relate to with like such compassion and pain too, mm -hmm. because I spent so much of my life being afraid of being myself would like yes. aka doing the wrong thing letting down other people's expectations transgressing or whatever that means and then when you start to do that a you realize how many people have been doing that all along and how much easier they've had it and at first i was very mad about that because i'm like oh my god it it's been so easy it could have been so easy and and now it is yeah and th that's kind of the thing like she was the one who finally introduced me to the amazing Martha Graham quote um, and just Martha Graham in general. Mm -hmm. Martha has this one quote and it, I always go back to it and I share it with everybody because I think it's so important for an artist who is stuck within themselves, stuck on the outside. They're always looking at the thing. It's just like, look, and this is kind of defines why I do art. And when I'm having a bad day, when I've had a good day, it doesn't really matter. I always come back to this. And it's simply just like, 
when she says, apparently it was when some dancer was having problem and she said, Martha, how can you help me? And Martha whispered this into her ear or something like that. And it, I don't know, something really bougie like that, but I'm sure that's just a tall tale. But apparently Martha said, there is a vitality, a life force, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And there is only one of you in all time. This expression is unique, and if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is, nor how it compares to other expression. It is your business to keep yours clearly and directly, to keep the channel open. Oh. You do not have to believe in your work. You have to keep open and aware directly to the urges that motivate you. Keep the channel open. No artist is pleased. There is no satisfaction, whatever, at any time. There's only a queer, divine dissatisfaction, a blessed unrest that keeps us marching and makes us more alive than the others. Keep the channel open. Keep the channel open. <laughs> what, a, what a perfect way to say it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not my quote. It's Martha Graham. But, like, I'm just saying, like, it's so... It's so it keep the channel open is what I what I say. So whenever I'm like, oh, I'm quitting drag. I'm quitting. You know what? Just just keep it open. Like the only alternative is let's just like okay, well, what am I gonna do? Sit down and die, I guess. But <laughs> like you know, my, I might as well keep the channel open. Like oh well. <laughs> and that sounds so much more manageable than like be you know amplify yourself or get nine bajillion followers it's like oh. or or shut it all down and go live in a cabin in the woods like you don't have to be that extreme just keep the channel open yeah and let you come out what a healthy way to live imagine that yeah and i think that's also something that eventually led me to drag and my fullest expression of self because I think I was not keeping that channel open. And I, I think I was constantly drawn to it. Mm. And I was just like, oh, no, I don't want to be a lip syncer. But I like her hair. But like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I was constantly ex drawn to a, like a, a clown or female. I was very into just like women. And I don't know, I'm drawn to women more than men. Like I like men sexually, I suppose. But like, sure, I'm attracted to women as women and just how they get to be i don't know glamorous and beautiful and i don't know it's maybe it's a fantasy i don't know well what's wrong with that but i i'm just i'm not interested in what men have to say for the most part <laughs> and i think that's fine because enough people are <laughs> yeah so that's great. You can sit that one out. So should we all, I think, some of the time. And keep on keeping that channel open because you are one of my favorite, not just drag performers, but performers. I think you are so, so funny. Is this true? Is this an actual fact? Like, open the tap, just like everything I see come out of you is just like <laughs> delights me. Oh. I'm, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I really mean it. That's so, that's really nice. You know what? I'm going to. I'm going to sit in that minute for a minute because honestly, I'm I'm constantly between worlds on, you know, keeping the channel open and just like trying to be like, is what I'm doing worth it? <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, I'm putting on these great shows, but I just don't know. And I think I'm polarizing too. some people hate me. 
Well, I think, A, that can be a good thing, right? Better to provoke a reaction than nothing. And listen, also, you're preaching to the choir because if you want to talk to someone who's like, am I having an impact? Talk to a podcaster mm. because this is like the most one-way wall when you're like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's also a nice reminder where you're like, you don't know the impact you're having on anyone, right? That's so true. And then suddenly someone's like, hey, I've never missed an episode or like I've never missed a show. So just keep the channel open. It's not your business how you affect other people. That's true. Unless you're trying to make them queer, in which case it is. And I hope you work very hard to, to groom because that's why God put us on this earth, baby. Um, the only children I want to groom are, you know, like, as far away as possible from me um you know like maybe their hair or something because like cut your goddamn hair i want to groom your hair and i want to groom you straight out of fully alive <laughs> yes that's what i would like <laughs> um beautiful i could talk to you forever as i've said because i'm a big big fan but we are running out of time so hillary yes before i let you go yeah would you like to play a game okay Okay, well, that was a semi-enthusiastic response, but here we are. This game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. Queer, Queerist! Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you three things. Your job is to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why, okay? Okay. Okay, you got it. Okay, thing number one. <clears throat> Latte art as a communication medium. Mm -hmm. Latte art as a medium. Thing number two. Little libraries, uh -huh. also known as those little like kind of post office boxes slash birdhouses oh, okay. on the sidewalk uh -huh. full of rando books from who knows where. Yeah. Thing number three, when you go down a water slide, the I think legal position you have to take, which is arms crossed like a vampire yeah. and then legs crossed at the ankle. Uh huh. So to recap the three things. Latte art as a medium of communication, mm -hmm. little libraries, and the government mandated position you must take when going down a water slide, least to most queer and why. I have to say these are all really straight things, I think. <laughs> uh, latte oh. art, I, I think that's a straight agenda. I mean, un unless there's like, you know, it's a, I mean, that's probably the gayest because there, there might be a gay person doing it. But little libraries, oh no, that's just propaganda for straight people straight grandmothers oh really i can't i i once got michelle visage's autobiography in a little library because they threw the book out they didn't want it they wanted to give <laughs> it to the gay you're right they want to get you're rid right. of it they're it like trash. what is this gay literature put it in the little library <laughs> um and also water slides gay people do that no thank you no what you in your little tankini sliding down there you don't want to see me in a tankini. I can't do it. Maybe it's for the skinny people. <laughs> okay, so are you saying all three of these things you're disqualifying? Like, I accept that if that's your answer. I guess latte art is kind of gay. I guess, I guess it's gay. Like, it could be gay, but it could also just be straight propaganda. I don't want to make you play. This, I think, is the first time someone has said, like, ab ab abstained from the game. Mm -hmm. Too straight. You're too straight. You, God bless you for being like, this gay as hell game is too straight. Hey, I'm known to have opinions. <laughs> you, she is polarizing. So let me check your marks because this is a very academic game, of course. Uh, one, two, three. 
you know what i'm surprised to say it but you're right this game was a trap and you are in fact the queerest of all for refusing to play yes <laughs> yes <laughs> thank you for that what a gift uh congrats and before i let you go is there anything you want to plug yeah, of course. Come check my uh, my my website out, hilaryoss.com, for anything that I'm doing. And of course, the new season of Camp Wanakiki is playing, so go check that out. I am reviewing it over on my YouTube channel, YouTube, um, Hillary Ass, uh, Hillary Ass, whatever you want to do, with Clinica Depressus, the previous winner. <laughs> <sighs> We're doing our thing. I'm trying to make, I mean, I'm doing so much work. I'm so tired, but I'm so happy that you had me on your pod. Thank you. Longtime fan, I've wanted to do this. I know we've talked about this for so long. Thank God you're here. And thank you for two oh. things. First of all, keeping that damn channel open. Mm -hmm. And second of all, I was very queer when this conversation started. And talking to you, Hillary, has made me queerer than ever. Yes, I hope it yes. has. <laughs> I mean, listen, fuck my game, but God bless you. Oh, baby. Bless us. It gets better. Anytime. <laughs> You take care of yourself and tell Link I say hi. Oh, I'm going to like immediately after we're done, I'm playing. I I'm like almost done. Mm. Mwah. All right. Bye. Bye bye. Queer, 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 queer. Oh, that was fun, wasn't it? That is our show. Okay, so as always, you can mail me at youmademequeer at gmail.com. I'd really like to hear from you, not you you. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It matters a lot for uh, internet reasons, and that's all. So cue credits. You Made Me Queer is created and produced by me, Trevor Campbell. Our editor is Harlow Castillo. Our theme song is by Critty. For more for music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at You Made Me Queer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every other Thursday and from the bottom of my big bent heart. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, remember, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault. <laughs>